the Entrepreneur Adventure, giving entrepreneurs the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. I'll never forget seeing them draw it up there on the board. E-S-B-I. The cash flow quadrant from Robert Kiyosaki. And it changed my life because I knew, hey, I don't have to be an employee all my life. I can be an entrepreneur. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Melton, the side geek prophet, joined by my co-host, Chad Brown, the serial CFO. And today we talk to Casey Riles, author of Last to Least, one of the most successful insurance agents in the state of Georgia and co-owner of Riles Brothers Trucking, as we have the conversation about going from employee to entrepreneur, from dropping down from the E in that quadrant to the S, then to the B, and then finally ended up in that I quadrant. So today's conversation talks about the mentality shift. We talk about last to least, and we talk about how to make your next wise move. So here's the interview with Casey Riles. Welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure. We're recording here today in the Tax Shelter studio and honored to have an awesome guest with us, Casey Riles. Welcome to the podcast, Casey. Hey, man. Thank you all for having me. Terrible name for a studio, Tax Shelter Studios. You like that? The like, IRS is on their way, man. <laughs> Impromptu sponsor I threw in there. <laughs> I said I loved it on the way in since 1971, man. Hey, you put the bug in my ear. Keep talking. Tell them more. <laughs> I, I like this. I like the direction we're going here. No, welcome, Casey. We're so excited to have you. So many awesome topics to cover today. Uh, but before we get there, Start us out. Tell us what you do. Tell us a little about your story. Um, fill in some pieces for us on, on who you are and what you're doing today. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I will tell you, I'm, I'm the most average guy y'all have ever had on this podcast. That's This is my M.O. I am. I'm an average guy. You're you the know? guy that brought your own books to the podcast, by the way. That is a first. So you say average, we see something a little different. Here's the deal, though. So are the rest of us. You know what I mean? We're all... Uh, it's hard to be in the bottom 10% and the top 10%. That's only 20% of people. The rest of us are in the 80s. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if we are going to talk about excellence and doing well and, and, and doing the best at what we, you know, the, doing the best at all the gifts we've been given, a lot of times I want to hear from somebody who's been in the trenches like me. So, um, you know, that's kind of why I wrote the book because I did realize there, are, there is a genre of books that, you know, will come out and say, hey, if you do what I did, uh, you'll be rich and famous like me. And it's like, well, they were started in these set of circumstances that are unfamiliar to most of us. And so I just want to say, you know, a lot of my circumstances were very normal, like a lot of probably people listening who have circumstances who are very normal and say, man, how do we make really wise move, moves in, this, in the midst of those kind of circumstances? So, uh, man, I started out really, I, I went to medical school uh, way back in the day. I'm smarter than I look, Chad. <laughs> so uh, I went there and I realized, you know, I went all the way through uh, in Medical College of Georgia. And, Sorry, and I, I didn't mean for my face to be that surprised. That was, and I noticed, I noticed you looked like I was, surely not. I'm just kidding. Fact check, Kate. That's right, that's right. Uh, man, but they, we, uh, you know, after that, I realized that was not for me for sure. And um, so started in the insurance business at, uh, at an agency, and I was an agent, um, you know, for about seven years. Got an opportunity to take over uh, an office and, and manage an office, 
And then in our company, we can move offices, and I moved up back to the one I started at. It's one of the largest uh, offices in our company and um, got a chance to lead there for the last, uh, I don't know, four or five years. And then uh, about four years ago, I realized that uh, I love doing uh, this kind of work for other people, but I also wanted to kind of build something for myself. My brother felt the same way, so he and I started a trucking company at first, and now it's moved into concrete and paving, asphalt paving. So uh, we do a lot, of, a lot of different things on the construction side with that business. It's been in, in business for about four years, so we're just rocking along with that too. Man, I like it. So med school, insurance uh, agency, trucking company, author, very average, like all day long. That's right, man. I, I tell you. Just as average as me and you, Chad, right? This is the average average Casey showing up. <laughs> We're about Mighty Casey in a little bit. So one of the cool things, Casey, with your book, of which I was privileged enough to get like an earlier release of this thing, and it is good, just as you say, we're used to seeing books about leadership from John Maxwell or you know, John Gordon and these guys who just seem a little bit larger than life. But when it comes down to it, most people can't, can't get from like, I just need to learn how to manage me. That's right. Before I can manage teams and talk in front of people and all these things. And that's what your book talks about. So, man, I love the book. Thank you. Awesome. Last to least. You guys listening, check it out. We'll put it in the show notes and link to that. Great book. Just to clarify, the insurance company that you work with, it's more of an employee model, right? Like people aren't like independent agents that are it contractors. Is. So the trucking company, was that your first entrepreneur adventure? Like this is the first time you were a business owner? It is. Four years ago is the first time that we reached out. Well, I say business owner. You know, uh, I, I thought I was going to be a country music singer back in the day. So, well, I'm talking about legit business. It's never too uh, late, brother. It's never too late, man. I got a mirror, bro. I don't have, have enough. have the look. I don't have enough Let's hair. Let's go in. Country music singer. <laughs> hey, we're on to something now. <laughs> country music, yeah. If I had hair, man, I would be on the circuit right now, man. All oh, those you're... guys wear hats. Yeah, yeah man, yeah, cowboy yeah. hat. Yeah. You know, Garth Brooks ain't got no hair, dude. Look That's at right. him. That's right. So we got Casey Riles in the book. We're going to hear Casey Riles on the radio at some point. Tom. That's right. Else. By the way, I love that when you – two types of people do this, authors and attorneys. you got to have an initial. So I like it as J. Casey Riles. Oh, yeah, man. Hands. You know, John is my first name. It was my grandfather's name, and so I've never gone by John, but – it's a cool name. It's man. super cool, man. I like John, John Casey. I had at Riles least just sound. pay a little homage to it. You know? <laughs> it's awesome. So that's cool. And so you went. So we're going to talk about this today too. I know we are all like fired up to talk. Like get into the subject matter here. You're a successful at what you do do in insurance, but you're an employee. And four or five years ago, you're like, you know what? I got that like entrepreneurial itch. Yeah, that's right. Your brother had it too. It's like, let's roll. Let's start it. So, man, tell us about the like launching that company and some of like the ups and downs or pros and cons and getting out on your own journey. Man, I'll, I'll tell you the, uh, this is, this is how it happened is my wife and I, um, uh, you know, the, the first thing that we did when we realized, okay, we, we want to start something and not sure exactly what that's going to look like. And I definitely never thought that, you know, paving and concrete was my thing. I, you know, I didn't think that was going to be my avenue, but, um, you know, what we really started doing is, is first things first, we started saving. You know, I mean, if I'm going to go from being an employee to an entrepreneur, most of the time, unless I'm going to go out and raise some capital, you know, I've got to come up with the capital. And, and that's the first thing we started doing was just putting back and, and living below uh, the means that we, that we had. And we just started planning for that over and over again, thinking about the future and thinking about an opportunity that could come 
even though we weren't sure exactly what that was. And so uh, one year we had a really, really good year, uh, you know, in our, in our insurance agency. And, uh, and I got a pretty big bonus, you know, at the beginning of the year. And I told my wife, you know, really, uh, I know y'all are people of faith as well. So it's, uh, you know, we started talking about what we were going to do with that money really to be a blessing. And we're like, look, we're going to give away half of this bonus. You know, that's what we, we got all crazy eyed. You know, we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to give away half of it. And so we actually set that aside and was like, you know what, when we see a need, we're going to meet that need. And whatever that need is, we're not really sure, but, you know, kind of like, Lord, this is your money. You know, all of it's yours anyway. So uh, really the next week, my brother called me up and he's like, hey, man, I've been thinking about this. You know, I want to buy a dump truck. Uh, he worked in the business already. And he was like, I want to, I want to do this, have my own truck, uh, don't have the capital to kind of get things rolling. But, uh, you know, he was like, what, what do you think about partnering with us? And man, that just, it, that hit me really, really hard. And I think it's so, um, interesting because I think about that sum of money. If I would have given it to Joe, who was our first driver we ever hired, if I would have just handed it to him. I could have given him, you know, enough money to live off of this year. Uh, but, you know, by investing that money into that business, it's actually given Joe the four years of the dignity of work. It's given not just Joe, but now 10 other people the dignity of work. Uh, that initial investment, man, it just kind of kicked us off, has done more than I, I think it could have. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm down with giving away money. But it, I think that initial investment has done more for my community even than I could have ever done by just handing it to somebody. That's fantastic. The whole give a man a fish, teach a man to Preach, fish concept. Man. Yeah. That is a real life living example there. How cool is that? So your brother, was he an entrepreneur at the time? Did he have a lot of business knowledge? Did you have a lot of business knowledge? Um, when you started going down this path, were you starting from scratch? Started absolutely from scratch. So. Even though we're employees at the insurance agency, like we, I am completely responsible for the the business of the local agency, uh, just like a you know a contracted agent would be. Um, so you know having to deal with those things uh, in the insurance agency, some experience there. But when we started, he was an employee as well. So he was actually an employee. We bought the truck on the. It was completely on the side. You know, just one truck. That's how we started. And uh, now we're. Go ahead. Let me ask you a question there now. So one truck on the side, were you a big picture, 30,000 foot view, long-term vision is I want to own 10 trucks and have the biggest trucking company in town and grow to 10 employees or, or was it just, let's make a little money and uh, create a job and, and do some things here? What was your mindset going in? Great question. Was my mindset going in was 100% uh, my brother, I, he wanted to be a business owner, you know, and I really, I was pumped about just hanging right where I am and having that on the side. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're, you're successful. You just said you got a, you know, a large bonus. You're running one of the top agencies in the state. Like, you're doing good. You weren't like, this sucks. Let me jump ship. Right? No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, my, our, our number one goal starting out, I always say, you know, that's, I talk about this in the book too, but just you know, what is my next wise move? Um, Ooh, that's and a, good. a lot of times, man, you know, uh, we that's start good. looking out, like you said, the John, I, lo I love, we're talking about John Maxwell. I mean, I love those guys who are like, hey, think about the vision, the where we're going, and then how do we get there? And a lot of times when, with me, 
I'm thinking about, you know, if I told you my vision, it would, I'd be embarrassed to tell you about it. You know what I'm saying? So it's so big sometimes. I just want to keep it to myself. So a lot of times I think in terms of, look, I, how, how we can get there sometimes is, is, is mystical. But what I do know is what our next wise move is. I can figure out my next wise move. And so really what we said is, how do we get to just three trucks? And my brother was going to be driving one of those three. And then the other two, you know, we would have as, as people, you know, employees. And then one admin kind of person. What we said is, let's get there. And when we get there, we'll make our next wise move at that point. But that was kind of the first thing. You know, we got there, of course, and we bought more trucks. Now we're doing concrete work. Now we're doing paving, asphalt paving. Uh, just talked to the guy who does estimates for us on the way here. He's fired up. They just finished up a job. It was a pretty big one, too, for us. So um, he was just telling me about how it went and just celebrating together. Yeah. You know, it was so cool. He was fired up. That's good. So when you guys made the decision, so your brother calls you, and he needs, he needs the capital partner, right? That's right. And he's in that business. Was it a... Let's buy a dump truck, and on the side of my current full-time like work, I'm going to do this. Or was it from day one, like, all right, we're all in, man. It was You're... actually we're going on the side. You know, okay. it was both of us. Side was... gigging. Okay. Side gigging. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking my language now, brother. <laughs> he so he's an employee. He's an employee, and um, actually his employer at the time, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. We would not be able to have started what we've done without uh, his former employer. And he was really cool with in the same business to be able to say, man, like, yeah, this is really cool that this is your idea that you want to do this on the side too. And uh, actually, the first truck that we bought was from him, from his previous really? employer. And so, uh, yeah, he he does a lot, a lot of concrete work, and so that was kind of becoming his main focus there was the concrete side, and a little less focused on the the trucking side. So he was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll ab- actually sell you your first one. And you can get it started on the side. So we made it 100% sure that my brother's former employer was all in on this idea before. It was like a yeah. group. It was, it was a group decision. Because when, <laughs> when your brother drives his own dump truck to work. <laughs> That's right. Cat's the bag there, right? That's right. Hey, sorry, man. My car broke down. I had to drive the dump truck today. That's right. No, that would not have gone well. Okay, so to go from one truck to three trucks and an admin and some employees and some team members. Obviously that takes capital, maybe debt. Did you just have this overwhelming faith and belief that it was all gonna work out or how much risk was involved in those next steps to get you there? And was it a roller coaster of emotion for you? What, what happened in that process? And what we're talking about here uh, for our audience and, and what we're gonna focus on in this episode is going from employee to entrepreneur that's right and how do you have the courage to step out and start a side gig or leave something good to pursue something great so tell us a little more about that process and that growth and going from one truck which one truck and a brother that seems somewhat easy that's right and and low risk to three trucks and team members and staff and overhead and everything involved yeah and i'd love to know in in relation to that how long was this a side gig before somebody went full-time into the company. That's right. Yeah, you know, the, the thought process at the very beginning and the, and the risk, uh, I, I think about this all the time. I don't care if you make $20,000 a year or $2 million a year. Uh, you can live in a way that creates margin. 
you know, uh, Trump makes concessions. I say this all the time. You know, he's got a pile of money, but he makes concessions. He says, I'm going to buy this instead of this. And I don't care where we are on that scale. We have the ability, most, most of us have the ability to say, look, I'm going to live this far underneath what it takes for my family to, to thrive. And so when we made a conscious decision to do that, my wife and I, it actually helped. The risk was there for sure, but it helped us kind of be able to offset that risk because we had already made those plans early on and putting back some cash, but also made the plans in our monthly budget to where we said, look, you know, if something happens, people will tell you this in construction. Everybody in construction is a nervous wreck. They're like, it's going to die. <laughs> next year, it's, this year, I know it's awesome, but next year, <laughs> it's going down. I can tell you, it's not going to. And like, you know, people, people are doing construction projects constantly. People are, need accountants constantly. People need insurance constantly. Like these things, somebody's working. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And not everybody. There are, in recessions, it really happens where some people are not. But I am, I am convinced that if we pursue excellence in what we do and if we really take care of the needs of our customers, they'll, they will find us. So when, they're, when they come to do a building project, when they come to do, you know, they need insurance or they need accounting, whatever those services are, uh, you know, the, the ones that actually take care of their customers, sometimes they thrive whenever there are recessions. Uh, so, yes, there's risk, and we, we knew that. We said... Are we 100% sure this is going to be successful? Heavens no. Heavens no. But we made those margins so that we could weather a storm if we had to. And, you know, at the same time, like I said, it doesn't matter what level you're, you're at. It, you can make those margins if you want to make the sacrifice to do it. So what you would tell our audience right now, if you're thinking about stepping out in the entrepreneur field or you're early in your entrepreneur adventure, spend less than you make you provide the quality service or product and the customer is going to be there. Absolutely, man. Seems it, pretty simple. It does seem pretty uh, simple. Yeah, we can break into the simple and difficult uh, you know, scenario too that goes into that. But yeah, you're right. Like some success is relatively simple, but then you got to like manage the emotions to take yourself through the necessary steps that are Dolenborg every single day to like do the things you got to do consistently that, that to win. That first day that dump truck doesn't start. Sure. Or that driver doesn't yes. show up. Or the gate breaks and the load dumps out on Highway 78. Yeah. The first day somebody calls and says, we told you to put this here, but he actually put it here. You know, he dropped, dropped the load here. All those things are along the way. If there's not margin become catastrophe instead of just hurdles ah, to get over. So the business concept is the same as the personal. Spend less than you make and you've got the margin to fix the problem really without is. being a financial catastrophe. I think if you're going from un uh, employee to entrepreneur, the absolute first thing is to figure out that margin where here's where we're going to live. This is the money we're going to live on and this is the money we're going to set aside for growth. And I, again, Everybody, if, if, if we want to grow our business right now today, I can absolutely rob my business of all the capital in it, or I can leave that in there and, uh, you know, buy a second, uh, you know, paving, piece of paving equipment. We can, we can choose right now to, take, to stop using those margins 
uh, or excuse me, start sure. using our margins for ourselves and stop believing in the business to be able to provide more capital in the future. So if you're basing decisions on margins, you better know your numbers. Sure. Which means you probably ought to have a good accountant brought to you by <laughs> the Tax Shelter Studio here on the Monster Adventure Podcast. I love that. So you guys were in business for how long before one, either you or your brother is like, all right, I'm, one of us has got to go full time in this gig. That's right. How long was it? Yeah, it was the the plan was for for my brother because he's uh, already in the business. He, already, he knows what he's, he's doing. Lo- loves it too. I mm-hmm. mean, like this is his. This is a very passionate thing. He. He called me one day and he's like, hey, you know, I just left this job. I poured a pad. It wasn't a massive job, but he said he poured a driveway and a pad for this family. He said he came outside and they're like, man, thank you so much. This looks so good. He said, when I left, it just hit me that like this family's probably been saving for like two years to do this project. And he's like, I just made it happen for him. You know, me and my guys just made it happen for him. Uh, So, yeah, he's one. He's tenderhearted. This is not common in construction, but he really is. Yeah. <laughs> Big teddy bear in the He doesn't room. look tenderhearted, <laughs> but he is. But, uh, yeah, man, he, that was a passion of his. So, uh, really, we saw an opportunity uh, there to be able to help him get into what he's passionate yeah. about. And so I think, I think it was about two and a half years. Okay. We bought truck one, bought truck two, and then we're like, all right, you know, it's number three is coming around the bend. Are you ready to jump all in? And again, former employer, this was a conversation we actually had with him because, you know, we don't want to compete with him or, um, you know, just damage that relationship. There's a very great personal relationship between my brother and him as well. So uh, we actually had that conversation with him. He was like, man, you know, I knew this day was coming two and a half years ago uh, when y'all started this. So he was pretty excited for my brother as well. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So it's funny, just yesterday, we had a staff meeting from like my leadership team in my company. Right. And I have this thing planned. Like, I'm like, here's my leadership talk. We do a 30-minute leadership session every week. Like, all right, here's what I'm talking about. And then I get to the meeting. I'm like, nope. We're talking the cash flow quadrant today, baby. We're talking about <laughs> employee, self-employed, business owner, investor. And we did. We spent 30 minutes talking about that because I know for me that that information changed my life. Like, it sure. just it, – something – you know, just flipped in my head when I saw that. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to create a business that will pay me one day that I don't have to trade my time for money anymore. That's right. And I think that a lot of business owners, when they're a quality person like you're, the guy you're mentioning, it's kind of selfish to not be okay with your employee chasing the same dream that you had. Absolutely. going on his own entrepreneur adventure. So it's so great that you guys had that part as well established. So you mm-hmm. got you know, the blessing from the business owner that you're about to compete with. The cool part of this story is the transparency between everybody involved in the win-win scenario. I see so many times on the entrepreneur side or the startup side or the employer side, there's so much secrecy in what's going on or somebody trying to do something behind the scenes or, or, or thinks there's a problem if the employer knows or the employer knows what the employee is doing. And that's, that's not the case. In most situations, everybody wants a level of success and a win-win in all situations. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of the story that I think a lot of people miss is you, you don't have to go into business in some secretive format. Uh, you can be open. You can share ideas. You can talk to your employer, uh, especially if they're a great employer, and they may want to help you along an entrepreneur venture and to help support you along the way and create situations that's a win. So I, 
I love that piece of it. That's really cool. Yeah, and you're good too to recognize Casey and his brother being willing to be forthright instead yeah, of being absolutely you know, kind of in the again what we were joking about driving the dump truck to work, but being in the dark about it. So Casey, one of the things that we see with people who are going from employee to entrepreneur is that there is a completely different mentality. You just there's just some things you just you don't know that you don't know yet. I say this often where it's one thing to know how to run a business. It's a totally different thing to know how to build a business. Mm -hmm. So you're coming from the standpoint and the experience of, you know how to run a business. You're successful running your insurance practice. Now you're about to build one from scratch. Tell us about some of the challenges you guys face. And this is the funny thing too with this question is Casey is such a positive mental attitude, like no excuses. We're going to figure it out. Some of the obstacles that most people face, you may not even recognize them because you're just so committed to winning. But talk about some of the challenges that you and your brother faced with shifting from, hey, we're entrepreneurs now. We got to build and manage and learn how to run this thing. Sure. And, you know, I, I think uh, uh, this kind of attitude is um, if, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to have it. If you're going to manage a business, I think you have to have it as well. But to, to be the kind of person who says, I will figure this out. And I have people like that on my team in the insurance business. I have people like that on my team uh, at, at Riles Brothers. And, man, you know, it's like if you have that, that attitude, it's like, you know, whatever these pieces that come at me, I am going to figure it out. I'm going to take it piece by piece. And that's why I love just asking what's my next wise move. Um, I say that a lot, I guess, but sometimes when those pieces, like you said, you don't know what you don't know, but uh, just from, you know, licensing standpoints and, uh, you know, how to, how to get permits and some of those things that as, as a manager or as a, you know, as an employee, you're, you're never the one that has to take those steps. Then now you're thrown into the role to be able to say, okay, you know, I need to know how this project goes from, you know, zero all the way to finish. And frankly, you know, there's some things that we hit tomorrow, I still don't know what we're doing. So I'm going to have to be able to have that same attitude to be able to say, look, you know, piece by piece, whatever it is, I'm going to stick with this. And sometimes it just takes so much time. And I think that's what a lot of people are not willing to put in the time to be able to say, you know, uh, like I don't watch TV. Somebody asked me like, how did you write a book with three kids and a couple businesses going on and stuff? I'm like, well, I don't. You know, I, don't, I never sit in front of the TV for two hours. So, you know, I, like I would be writing at night sometimes, you know, typing out while we're laying in the bed. Allie and I are chatting it up and thinking about these ideas, trying to get them down. And, and I think a lot of times just being able to put that kind of time into something that you absolutely have the capacity to figure out, but it just takes some time just inch by inch figuring out those things. Yeah, we had a recent episode where we talked about emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and how important that is. And that's, that's where one of the shifts happens. When you're an employee and you're running a business, let's say I'm a general manager for a restaurant. My name's not on the note. Like if the rent doesn't get paid, they don't come after me. I'm That's the manager. Right. That's right. Somebody owns that place. And he's like, you're now responsible for it. You can't leave work at work the way you could. Like when you have a job, you can leave work at work. Now we know great managers, great leaders, they do take ownership, right? They treat it like it's their own deal. Sure. But you don't, regardless if you treat it like you're on deal or not, you don't lie awake at night wondering about debt collectors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just a yeah, different deal to experience like that emotional pressures. Oftentimes, I think with entrepreneurs, 
it's not just the time component. It's being able to, to manage and lead themselves with how they feel about things mm-hmm. and where they're like, allow, like teach themselves to think with some like mental fortitude, you know, like got to be strong enough to know what the next wise move is instead of getting overwhelmed with how I feel like right now. Absolutely. The very moment. Like I want to quit everything. I was like, I'm under this pressure. Zoom out. Man. All right. Big picture. I own this thing. I got to figure out, again, what's the wise move. Let me get out of the emotional moment that I'm in. Take ownership for the whole process. So I see that as a big challenge. But tell us about some of the other things for you and your brother that you dealt with or that you faced when you're making that employed entrepreneur transition. Oh, I mean, one is not knowing, you know, not knowing the opportunities that would, would present themselves. You know, early on, we're like, okay, here's the plan. We get the three trucks. What's the next wise move? I'm 100% sure we should go into grading. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is it. This is the next thing we should do. Because of the way these jobs are bid, I'm like, okay, grading is our next purchase, you know. And so I start looking for grading equipment, and Joshua, my brother, he's like, hey, I don't know about I don't think grading's our next thing. And we're, I'm like, nah, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm really sure, <laughs> I'm sure about this. And so we keep on looking, and we hit wall here, hit wall here. And then uh, when it comes to we, the paving piece that we do now, uh, I was 100% wrong <laughs> about what I thought we were. <laughs> I thought that's where we were headed. And I'm like, it, all the pieces of the puzzle for paving just started falling into place, you know. And I think that's what's really cool about that entrepreneurial adventure is you can, you can make a plan. It's, it's wise to make a plan and think strategically. But then I think you do have to just keep your eyes open to be able to say, like, what, what kind of people are coming into my life? You know, uh, the guy who I was talking about a minute ago, we were talking on the way here, uh, has a, a lot of experience and knows a lot of people in the paving industry. And he, uh, he knows it A to Z, I mean, all the way. So when he was interested in coming on board with us, uh, you know, it's like when I see those pieces starting to come together, you know, we think people over process. So like when I see those people start lining up that they can take us in a certain direction, then I'm like, yeah, okay. That, I, I thought the process drove us toward grading, but really the people that started coming into our lives drove us toward mm-hmm. paving. And so that's why we, we just had to be able to shift at that moment and be able to say, and that was tough because early, you said what sort of struggle uh, emotionally is if I'm thinking like, hey, I know this is the direction we need to go. And then I have to be able to pivot that and say, you know what? I was absolutely wrong this whole month when I was saying that. Uh, you know, emotionally, you have to be able to say, okay, you know, we were joking earlier. Uh, one, my best characteristic is I'm unoffendable. You absolutely. Know? So yeah. being unoffendable, like when somebody is saying like, no, it's obvious. You said this is where we're going to go, but now we're going to go a different direction. It's like, yeah, that makes absolute sense. But if you're somebody who is highly offended, it's like, oh no, you know, I, I can't believe I messed, I can't believe yeah. I've been saying this for a month and now we're taking a different direction. You know, a lot of people would just take that opportunity to, to fold, like you said, or, or be stubborn and keep going toward the place where, you know, you, you don't have the people to do the projects that you are trying to achieve. So a lot of what you hear, a lot of what you read, follow your passion, follow what you mm. love. Obviously, you didn't love dump trucks. You didn't love grading or asphalt. What would you say to a lot of the advice you hear for startup entrepreneurs and 
people looking to get into a side gig when all they hear is follow your passion or, or follow what you love and the money will come. That's, that's not an experience that, that led you down this story and this journey. So how, what are your thoughts there? Kick me off of here if you want, but I think that's hogwash. I like it. Complete and total trash. Like, Careful, I, Casey. We're I, not unoffendable. <laughs> we matter our feelings. <laughs> I, we're tearing up over here. No, you sounded like you were agreeing with me, Chad. So I love you. Personally. I do. Yeah, Don't kick right. me out. We got a tax we got, shelter. We're learning building. more and more. In college. You keep talking about tax. If you I stay say here tax long shelter as you want. enough times, can I keep stuff? I'll write you a big check here in about an hour. Keep going, Casey. <laughs> so, man, I think it's trash, you know. And you do hear it constantly. Follow your passions, and I'm down with you know. Let's. Let's do things that are in line with our gifts and things that we enjoy. But really, and that's what last to least is. It, last to least is saying, I'm not going to try to go from worst to first. I'm not a passion follower. I'm not going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow needs. And when I see needs, I'm going to meet needs. And this is what's crazy. I can, you can become passionate about things if you yes. see that you're meeting needs. I've been wearing out man's search for meeting by Viktor Frankl. Have y'all ever heard of this before? Mm -hmm. So he was a doctor uh, in a uh, concentration camp, Auschwitz, and he, he wrote man's search for meaning and said, I didn't write this to tell you about the atrocities of Auschwitz. He said, I wrote this to tell you about what people think when they're going through that kind of mental torture. And this is what he said, don't pursue success. Perse success is like happiness. It, doesn't, it can't be pursued, it can only ensue when you're pursuing something greater than yourself. Man, I'm like Victor. That's my guy right there, man. I wanted to hug him across time. Because <laughs> I'm like, that is it. That's what last to least, that's what I'm uh, so uneloquently trying to say in last to least is stop pursuing success, pursue needs. If I pursue needs, and at the same time, just forget that I exist. My fragile ego exists for a little bit. If I can forget me and just pursue needs for a little bit, that's when I can make a massive impact in any industry, no matter how average I might find myself right now. What's really cool about that is when I was looking at your, your trucking company, Rouse Brothers, and reading a little bit before a podcast, your concept and approach to... Uh, telling about the company was different than I've ever seen in the construction industry. Yeah, man, thank it you for saying that. It was all about serving people about and quality drivers showing up on your job. They care. They're here to help you to make your life easier, to take the burden and the stress off your back and put it on ours. Mm. It was an approach that it gave me chills, man. It was really cool because it was all about the customer needs, serving the customer, performing at a high mm. level, and not only that, our drivers, we pay them year-round. They're That's not right, seasonal. They are part of our team. They're part of what we do. You're going to love Joe. You're going to love Joshua. Reading that story was awesome, and I love how it mirrors with some of your thoughts there. And from that standpoint, I guess, again, it comes back to margins. You can do those things because you built the margins in your company. And I think so many young entrepreneurs don't understand their value and they try to compete on price because they're fearful of having the work. How did you have the confidence to go a different direction? How did you build this model and not go broke? Yeah, I've seen it work. So as we're talking about employee to entrepreneur, as an employee, I watched it work. You know, I, in, in my current role, I said, you know, look, this is the way that I think we were made to work. And service I'm, beats price. Man, every time. Okay. It has to. 
it has to service beat, beats price over time. You know, initially, mm -hmm. sometimes I think, uh, you know, price beats can beat service, sure. Uh, but over time, if price is the only thing that matters, and you, we talk about this in the old, as an old insurance man all the time, you know, it's like we can't just sell on price ever because rates change. I mm -hmm. tell my customers this all the time, like, look, we're the, we may be the cheapest this year, next year, two years from now, three years, we may not be. You know, I have buddies, I'm looping back a little bit with this, but you talked about just having relationships with other people in that same industry, even competitors. I'm like, man, I have buddies in the insurance industry that we refer business back and forth all the time. If I show up at an event, I want them to be there, you know, because I want people to see that when I'm talking about meeting their needs as my customer, if that, uh, you know, I joke with people sometimes, I'm like, I'm like the Macy Santa Claus. Like, we will send you where the best place is for you, even if it's not me. So the million dollar question, you and your brother, you get it, you're the owners. How do you teach this servant mentality to your first hire and your second hire and your third hire? How are you taking this concept, having it trickle down? So not only you as owners, but your team of employees uh, that you've grown to are delivering that message for the customer and are living what you're preaching. Yeah, because this industry is not necessarily renowned no. for its phenomenal customer service. Preach, man. That's what, so I was about to, we, we took a tangent about the, the, the logo, but the reason I chose the donkey, man, that's the original beast of burden. You want something moved, you put it on the back of the donkey. Now I'm like, if you want something moved today, if you want uh, a path to be carved out for you, this is who you call. You call Riles Brothers now. And I'm like, that's, I want to make that connection even in, just with the logo. And so, you know, the guy I was talking about, uh, his name's Neil, who does estimates for us and uh, phenomenal guy. So how do we instill that into, you know, uh, the every employee that comes in to, to Neil? And one of those things is, is really just spending some time with him kind of going back over calls that he makes. Uh, for the company, if he's going out to do estimates, if he runs into a snare, you know, a problem or a trial, you know, just being there to be able to come back and, and kind of have a campfire moment and saying, okay, you know, how, sh how should we have handled this? And I, we actually just did this recently with, with the donkey. And I'm like, Neil, this is why we chose this logo. This is legit, not because we think it looks cool because we actually got made fun of because of the way it looks, which I do think it looks cool. However, uh, I'm like, Neil, we chose this because, man, this is what we want to be. We want to be, uh, the construction industry is, is stressful. People, you meet somebody out there on a job, and whether they're the employee or the owner of the company, man, they're stressed. They have a lot going on. Everybody wants something done right now. There's always problems. It's like if we can be the person who shows up and removes some of that stress off their back and put it on our back. So we go out and do a job. Me and Neil are talking through this. We go out and do a job, and we quote a, a really big job, and then we end up going and only doing half the work. And so the, the bill was a little bit more than half the invoice because, of course, we're going to have to have two mobilizations. We're talking about all these logistics of how it works, and we can't do the job for we can't do half the job for half the price yeah. because of all the stuff that goes into doing it two different times. Well, the customer was was pretty unhappy about that at this point, and Neil actually came back to me and he's like, "Man, you're going to have to talk, talk to these folks. They're they're mad at us. Told me to get off the job." 
So that's my favorite, by the way. Yes, <laughs> you, know, you got to come in and like clean it up, right? It's, <laughs> I, now this is the unoffendable part. This is where I thrive. Okay. Now you're an old insurance man. You get barked at oh, pretty yeah. hard. So uh, you know the when I I love going into that moment. Like this is where I live. I'm like, give me the ball right there where somebody is terribly unhappy, and I want to see what we can do to take that stress off their back. And I let Neil kind of walk through that with me. Like, he's like, we're out of here, man. We got to take the equipment and move. I called the people and talked with them. I'm like, hey, what, what can we do to, to make you just, not, not that we leave and say, okay, we're fine, but for us to be able to leave and you say, man, we love these guys. And the initial answer was nothing. <laughs> so, get off my job side. I know, get out of here. And I'm like, no, man, you know, and I appreciate you. I was like, I, I wanted him to know that I appreciate him. And I appreciate him, uh, even one, giving us the opportunity. But number two, just having this conversation with me to figure out if there are any, any ways forward. And I'm like, no, uh, you know, we talk through it without giving a million details. We talked through it, and before it was over, we're doing more than the initial quote that we, you know, had even put out there at, at, the, first, at the first place. We do all of the job that we quoted initially and even a little bit more. But it's because we're able to take the time to make that phone call, and then be able to say, hey, man, this is what we're really here for. Like, we're really here to take this off of you, not put some stress on you. And by that conversation, uh, you know, we, I talked to, talked to Neil through this. You know, how, how do we go from being trustworthy to being trustable? And I love the two words. Mm-hmm. Trustworthy means you actually can believe what I say. Trustable means I, I can convince you to believe what I say. That's and powerful. if you have one of those two without the other one, you're in a mess. If I'm trustable but not trustworthy, I'm a sleazy salesperson. But if I'm trustworthy without being trustable, I, I can be the most, the, the best case scenario for you to hire me, but you never know it. You never get, you never get my service because I can't convince you that I'm trustable. So I actually talked through those things with Neil as he's listening to this conversation with this guy, which it blows his mind. He's like, we just got kicked off a job this morning. Now we're doing twice as much work this afternoon and a little bit more on top of it, you know. And I'm, I'm like, he's like, this is what he said. You are smooth. And I said, no, 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 I'm not smooth. It's not, it's really not smooth. It's really saying, how can I take your stress and put it on my back? just like that donkey. You and took he, a negative situation, not only turned it into a positive, you turned it into a training exercise yes. for Neil. That's phenomenal. Casey, you are smooth. You probably turned that into like a $10 million life insurance policy at the end of that conversation we, too. We did, no, we did write life insurance, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so so let's, let's unpack that a little bit more. That is such a positive mindset and goes back to what Josh mentioned earlier uh, of you're such a positive personality. Is that something you train yourself to be? Are you naturally that way? So many other entrepreneurs and business owners would have approached that situation. Ah, that contractor, he's a jerk. It would have had a negative outlook from the beginning. How are you able to overcome that? Is that luck or skill or training? How do you get to this place mentally? And how, do our, how does our audience in their adventure find a way to approach situations with a positive mindset? That's killer, man. Three questions. One, what is the guiding purpose of my work? I have to actually believe that the guiding purpose of my work is not, it's not happiness. It's not my dreams or my passions. 
it, I have to pursue something greater than myself. And until I can, that happiness and success is not going to ensue. I'm actually going to miss it. Don't take my word for it. Viktor Frankl, this guy is brilliant. And that's what he said. Happiness is not something that can be pursued. It has to ensue. What's the central purpose of my work? What is the guiding purpose of my work? You said a lot of times, you know, follow your dreams. What am I following? What's the thing I'm going after? And it's, it has to be needs. What is the guiding purpose of my work? It has to be the needs of the customers and the neighborhood that my work was designed to serve. I think that's how you develop first. That's the first question. The second question is who achieves that purpose, which is a big deal to me because a lot of times, we, we talked about this at a 12-2, uh, you know, uh, when I was there. But man, you know, when you talk about, when you say who achieves the purpose instead of how do you do it first, what, we're, what I'm looking at is I have to actually change into a different kind of character. Character traits is what makes the building blocks of a personality. And the way I make my everyday decisions is not determined by you telling me, Chad, hey, Casey, follow me, and I'll tell you everything to do for the next two weeks. You don't have time to do that. You don't have time to give me that kind of time. But what you can do is say, here are the character traits that you need to start to develop. Uh, I love grit is one of my favorites. It's in, the, it's in the book. Gentleness, which is weird. And I know, like, look at me like, come on, like gentleness. But gentleness mm -hmm. is being able to deliver even a tough message. You know, in that conversation I was just telling you about, I gave that guy a message he did not want to hear, but delivered it in a way that respected him as an individual and, and got us both where we ultimately wanted to go. So if I start developing those character traits, grit and, uh, you know, uh, gentleness, if I start being able to find a character trait of joy, not that my circumstances bring me joy, but that I can see joy even in the toughest times around me, like my man Viktor Frankl. Sorry I mentioned him so many times, but this book's it's, it's awesome. It's really helping me right now. But if I start, the second question again is who, not how yet, not how do we do it, but who does it? What kind of person do I need to be able to, to become to be able to face these mental challenges, these tough things that are coming my way? And then three is the how. You know, and there are some, some of those, we, those are the principles that we've all heard. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the quick things, serve with a cost. If like, I can say I'm serving people's needs, but if every time it shakes out for my good, I'm probably not, you know, actually doing it. I'm probably just thinking that that's a cool slogan. I'm, I'm a servant. But it's like if there's never a real cost, you're probably not. You know, so some of those things that you remember is serve with the cost. Uh, how do we do it? Being trustable and trustworthy to me is one of the biggest things that I try to pass along to people around me on my teams is how do we, one, how do we actually show up when we promise to show up? But then, two, how do we communicate that to other people in a way that they, that they know they can trust us? You know, uh, not how do we just be smooth mm -hmm. and get them to trust us and then do what we want to do. How do we pair being trustworthy and trustable? I think if you answer those three questions, and that's really the essence of last to least, sure. is answering these three questions. What's the guiding purpose of my work, my specific work? You know, it takes some thought life, really, when you think about it. Like as an insurance agent, you know, I, I, I thought through that a lot. What is, what's the real purpose of my work? And I do. I think it's encouraged people to make their next wise move. That's why I'm so passionate about it. it. It was something I started there in the insurance business. How do I encourage people to make their next wise move with their risk? And it's something that I've been able to apply to 
not just that, but in leading myself, like we talked about, and steering myself through my day-to-day work, through my career even, is what's the guiding purpose of my work? And then two, who achieves that purpose? What are the character traits that I need to build? Three, you know, what are the actual actions that I need to take, for, take forward and make uh, those daily practices? And if I answer those three questions well, man, I can't lose. So let's talk about one of those in a real-life scenario right sure, now. Sure, please. Uh, so you mentioned gentleness, and you mentioned serving the customer and the things you believe in. A lot of times as entrepreneurs, that's a place we get caught between a struggle. I live there. I live in that struggle. I care about serving my customer. I love my team. I love the people I work with. I become frustrated when my team doesn't serve the customer. And after training and guidance, I lose some gentleness as a business owner Mm. with my team. And so those traits, if I'm trying to build that gentleness trait, and I know on some level in the beginning, you're trying to tell yourself to be gentle, to change your mindset and your personality. I just, how do you remove yourself out of the emotion of, I really want to serve this customer and hey, we just screwed that up. I'm frustrated, but I still got to be gentle. Is that something that's hard for you or have you just trained that over time? I struggle with that every day. Yes. I think it's so cool because you, you know, when you think about it and if you, if you expect, so, so if I, first I think it's recognizing if I expect gentleness out of my employees toward my customers and yet I turn around and give them the opposite, it's like, come on, man, I'm telling you, like, do what I do. Not, I mean, do what I say, not what Fair I do. Enough. You know yes, what I mean? Absolutely. So I think, I, I mean, that is a, just recognizing that yeah. first. But then, you know, we talked about, we talk about just how to develop those character traits, like gentleness. Mm-hmm. And there's just three quick E's, just cause, so it's easier to remember. But the first, I, I just need it explained. I just need somebody to tell me what, you know, a lot of times you look up the de- definition of, of a word and just kind of stew on that for a minute. And that can actually change the way you deal with people in itself. I remember one time I was, we have three little girls and right now they're eight, six, five, but at one time they were three, two, and zero. (laughs) I just woke up ill every day. And I was thinking, man, what's wrong with me? You know, like, and I finally, I finally, I'm like, okay, I don't know what's wrong with me. Allie was like, my wife, she said, I think you're, I think you're angry. And I'm like, no, I'm not angry. I'm said, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? I said, I'm just frustrated. And then I looked up the mm. definition of frustrated, and you know what it is? A little bit angry. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I got to deal with this anger issue. Yeah. You got. did not yeah. tell Allie about the of definition, did you? Of course I did. I ran straight to her, and I was like, honey, please forgive me. <laughs> I did not. But now if I look up the definition of gentleness sometimes, it can help me actually say, okay, here's the real. It's, it's and the, With gentleness specifically, I always think about the, uh, you know, when you go to the dentist, they blow that air on the side of your face while they're giving you that big shot on the other side of your mouth. And it's like, man, I notice, like, okay, this is something that I need and something that I have to have to be able to make me better. But at the same time, they're they're giving it in a way that I can receive it the best possible way. You know, I think that's that's a good picture of gentleness. But then, you know, after it's ex- explained, I need, a, I think, I need a great example, and mm-hmm. that's why I read books like Viktor Frankl and uh, you know stuff like. Uh, people inspiring in the past who have done 
who've done these things, people who, who you can look to as, a, as an entrepreneur and say, man, this, this person, this, this lady or this man built this business and they did it in a way that upheld not just their customers, but even the people that they were leading. You know, they were gentle with them. They gave them the information that they needed, but at the same time, they didn't just trample all over them. So I need a powerful example. That's the second E. But the third and most powerful is uh, to have it experienced. So if I, if I recall a time when somebody has actually displayed that kind of gentleness for me, maybe since we're talking about going from an employee to an entrepreneur, maybe when I was an employee and the, the business owner came and dealt with me in a way that he gave me or she gave me information that I needed, uh, correction that I needed, but at the same time did it in a very compassionate and loving way. I think when we remember those experiences that happened in the past, Man, it's a lot. We, it, it, it helps to develop those character traits right in that moment to say, I want to be able to do for them what was actually done for me in the past. That's awesome, man. You, you're saying that too. It makes me think of John Maxwell. It says leaders, what is it? They know the way, they go the way, and they show the way. Man, yeah, so it's not about cool. just pointing and telling somebody what to do or how to do it. So I love the three E's that you have there. And and you did that. You In the story you told us, you walked your guy through it. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, here's... Look, here's how I'm gonna have to do this. Let me explain it to you. You know, like you, you were in it with him and showed him how to do it. So ne- next time, he's probably not gonna do it as well as you did it, right? But he, he at least has an idea of how it's done, and he can engage himself in it. He did call me the other day and say, "Hey, man, I told somebody about that donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I told him the whole story. Now I didn't say it like you did, but I did tell him the whole story about the donkey. I said, "That's my man. That's yeah, awesome. that's a win, baby." He was hey, excited about it too, was right? Pumped, and yes. isn't it fun as an entrepreneur who has started to scale the business? Like you got employees, and not only employees, but you got employees that are starting to buy in. That's right. And do it the way you want them to do it. Yeah, man. I don't know if there's anything more fun cool. than phone calls like that. For you, they're excited because they did it the way, right? The way you showed it, they mm. at least attempted to do it that way, and to see their growth and their success. And then again, you get into that. I think what most successful entrepreneurs, and I say successful, not saying that they just built a, a a great company, but they built a great life because they realized the last to least concept. If I can look at this employee's best interest and I can say, you know what, I don't know how long this guy will be with me. I'm going to invest in him. I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to, I'm going to show him the way to do it. And if they go somewhere else, that's great. Again, your story with your brother's previous ball, it's just Mm -hmm. good, successful people. Now listen, I know we're wrapping up here. I want to, again, plug the book last to least. Thank you. This is my. I think my first copy was paperback. This is a hardcover. That's legit, right there. This is legit right here, bro. It even it's has got the like, endorsements on the back. That's when you know you made it when you got a hardcover. I'm telling you, it's when, legit. When you when you got a hardcover book and a first initial in front of your name, bro, <laughs> you know you've done it. So don't just take my word for it. Take the word of New York Times bestselling author Daniel Pink, who says this book, last at least, will help you make. Your next wise move. I mean, mm. our, our listeners, they want to make their next wise move, Casey. So they're mm. doing it. Not just Daniel Pink, though. Look up Daniel Pink if you've never heard that name. This dude's brilliant. Uh, former governor of Georgia, Nathan Deal, mm. also telling us that this is a book you got to read. So not just me and Chad who are saying read the book. Uh, it's high profile, folks, <laughs> telling us read last to least. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. Casey Riles, man, we appreciate you being here and just helping our audience. To get most of our people are probably entrepreneurs, but they they have that knowledge right of like maybe they're side gigging, maybe they haven't made the plunge yet to go full time into the gig. So we thank you so much for being here with us today on the Entrepreneur Adventure. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Entrepreneur Adventure. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please be sure to like and subscribe to The Entrepreneur Adventure wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.theentrepreneuradventure.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And remember, The Entrepreneur Adventure does not have to be traveled alone, but is a journey to be shared. We'll catch you next time on The Entrepreneur Adventure, where we give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before.